evening and welcome to this edition of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Each Sunday we get together for three hours. We talk about the news of the week, sometimes the events of our often bizarre lives, and we do so in an entertaining, informative, and unique fashion. We're broadcast on 22 different stations throughout this formerly great nation of ours. And, of course, it wouldn't be the John and Leah Show without Leah Brandon. How are you this evening, Leah? I'm doing very well, and even better now that you are free at last, free at last, and you've returned to Facebook. I didn't realize how important I was on Facebook, but yes, I, you... I've been suspended for a week because I was a naughty boy, even though I really wasn't, and uh, the Facebook Nazis, uh, without even any attempt or, or any ability at all to appeal, uh, suspended me for a week, but that's been rectified. Uh, it, you know, and I, I, I said last week that I thought that the news of the week was designed to cause me to go insane because it's all yes. about me. I mean, you know, it the, is, uh, you know, as, as most talk shows hosts look at the world, it's all about them. Um, and so I guess I'm no different in that regard. Uh, that week was nothing in comparison to what the news of this week has been. And we'll get to all of it. Uh, we've got a jam-packed program. I want to welcome those who were listening to the snooze fest that was the Democratic debate tonight. Yeah. Um, all, all three of you that probably tuned over after having listened to Hillary Clinton and uh, Bernie Sanders go at it. Uh, I, I saw about two minutes of it. I don't need to see anything more because all I need to know, Leah, is did Hillary Clinton uh, diss Beyonce and or use the N-word during the debate? Did that either Not those, yet. Did either of those two things happen? Not this time. Okay, so then it doesn't matter. No, nothing that happens at that debate matters because the only thing that would matter is if she did something that would en masse make her lose the black vote. And unless she uses the N-word and or disses Beyonce, that can't happen. By the way, it's perfectly acceptable for her to diss a non-celebrity black female, which she has done twice now in the last two weeks uh, in very public ways on videotape. But that doesn't matter. That Wait, doesn't matter. who was that? I missed it. Well, of course, they didn't get reported. Uh, oh. at, at two different events, she dissed black females in hugely arrogant ways, even by Hillary standards. Telling, really? Telling one uh, black, young black female uh, in a very arrogant fashion, why don't you go run for something, darling, or whatever. Why don't she said darling, but it was basically, you might as well have said darling. Uh, why don't you go run for something yourself? Um, and, and told her to please be, be, be on your way, peon. Uh, wow. And and um, this got no media coverage because she's Hillary, which is, by the way, why she's going to be far, far, far more difficult to beat than the vast majority of delusional conservatives seem to be calculating when they go for delusional candidates who cannot possibly win. More about that, obviously, as we go on here. I do want, of course, mention and acknowledge uh, the passing of Nancy Reagan today. Uh, which ordinarily, Leah Brandon, I would consider to be an extraordinarily sad event. Uh, as a big fan of Ronald Reagan myself, who's been to the Ronald Reagan Library many times, I live nearby there. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, obviously when his wife passes, you know, it's kind of like, okay, that's the last piece of him, uh, other than his children, obviously. But his children haven't really followed in his footsteps that much. Not it's, even close. So, you know, it's a little bit different in, in that regard. But, uh, you know, so there's a part of you that thinks, okay, wow, Nancy Reagan is gone uh, at 94. So a little, you know, piece, another piece of Ronnie is also gone. Um, but I actually envy Nancy Reagan. I, I envy her. Uh, she had a great life, uh, 94 years old, probably lived longer than she wanted to at the end. Uh, there's only really two choices. Uh, 
you know, either she's now with Ronnie again, which obviously we're all hoping for, although we don't. Oh, have I'm any, sure she is. Well, we don't have any evidence of that, but you know, not. Well, but I have faith. That's good, better. Good for you. Um, and, and look, I hope you're right. I, nothing would make me happier, but I, I just, I just don't know what about life actually turns out the way we want it to be. And but that's another story for another day. But so she's either with Ronnie right now. Or at the very least, she doesn't have to put up with Donald Trump being the Republican nominee. So either way, she's a winner. She, Someone put on my Facebook page that it's this race that killed her. Uh, would not surprise me at all if it hastened uh, her demise. Uh, how could it not? Because apparently she was mentally with it right to the end. So, yes. so, so if she's watching, and you know she is, and she's seeing this insanity going on, this Trump sanity going on, uh, and I, I can't believe she survived as long as she did. Yeah. So, um, so uh, you know, obviously, rest in peace, uh, Nancy Reagan. Another story that we might talk more in depth about later on in the program, like I said, we have a ton of stuff to get to, uh, but I have to acknowledge it, is the most bogus story so far of 2016. If we make it to the end of the year, Leah, I want to make sure we mark this down because we, we do an end-of-the-year show and all the most insane and craziest and absurd stories of the year. Nothing uh, so far in, in the non-Trump category uh, tops what happened on Friday with the bogus O.J. Simpson knife Ugh. story being found. Or the knife I being thought that found was a story. little too convenient in the timing. Well... It, forget about the fact that there's a miniseries going on. Um, right. This was absurd, obviously, from the beginning because it made absolutely no sense at all. So, so the story we were told is an unnamed police officer gets a knife from an unnamed construction worker working on right. O.J.'s house after he sells it, keeps it for 18 years. Until he retires. Well, and, and apparently tells another LAPD, uh, yeah, I want to display this thing. And again, none, we don't know any names. We don't have a picture of the knife. We have no proof that it's even came from OJ's residence. TMZ, not exactly the most reliable source, reports that, uh, you know, the LAPD is now investigating this. It made no sense whatsoever, not just because there was no evidence to support it, but also because think about what you had to believe. You had to believe that O.J. Simpson somehow buried his knife at his home in Rockingham. There's no evidence at all that happened, that he had the time to do it. There's not There's no, not a shovel, no, no evidence of dirt on his clothes, because we have evidence of all sorts of other things, blood, hair, fibers, no, nothing like that. And then, by the way, he sells the house and forgets. He forgets that the knife is buried. And forgets that the knife is buried and just leaves it there for someone who's demolishing the house to maybe find. Not to mention, as it turns out, the knife doesn't even fit uh, the the markings of the killer. Uh, it doesn't fit in any way, shape, or form, except, oddly enough, it doesn't fit. This is weird. It doesn't fit the OJ killing, but apparently it fits perfectly with Ben Carson's story of almost stabbing a friend when he was a teenager. It's weird how it worked out that way. (laughs) It it ends up being Ben Carson's knife. That's what I think confused everybody. All right, so uh, there there will never be a story that gets more overblown this year, non-Trump category, without any facts whatsoever, but the media ran with it because they love the narrative, and it's a freebie because there's no trial going on, there's double jeopardy, OJ's already in prison, so this is free. They can do whatever they want with this narrative and not have to worry. <laughs> There's no repercussions. No repercussions at all. So let's go with it. We don't have a name. We don't have a picture. We got <laughs> nothing. But look, OJ's knife got found. It gives us a whole day to talk about. That's okay. About- I went with it. Oh, God. 
<laughs> so we can talk about that all day instead of the fact that the Republican presumptive nominee for president the previous night said not once but twice he bragged that he could get members of the U.S. military to commit war crimes for him. Let's not talk about that. Let's talk about O.J.'s knife being found. Oh, by the way, and the size of that presidential candidate's penis. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> We're just getting started. I know. I got into a Facebook fight. Someone saying that Marco Rubio started that. Oh, no. Right. Okay. Anyway, no. as you can tell, we've got a ton to get to, and we may we may not get through it. Not just because we can't get through all the content, because one of us, you can guess which one, may yeah, have a stroke. One? May have a stroke between now and the end of the show. Uh, this is the John and Leah Show. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. This is the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com, where, among other things, we have updated the official John and Leah Show percentages for who's going to win the GOP nomination and who will be the next president of the United States. If you have the courage oh, boy. <laughs> to don't, check it don't, out, don't. <laughs> go to freespeechbroadcasting.com. We don't we don't try to give you what you want to hear. We give you the truth, <laughs> uh, for better or for worse, on the John and Leah Show. And there's so much to get to in this realm, uh, Leah. And so we're going to do things slightly differently tonight. Um, okay. I'm going to start at the end. Then go back to the beginning of this week and go through it all. And if you have questions, comments, or if you're not sure of what I'm trying to say, stop me and we'll clarify it. Because Sounds I Sounds good to me. I realize there's a lot of people who are, based upon my Twitter and Facebook feeds, very delusional. confused. Well, delusional, yes, and confused uh, as well about what's really going on here. I'd like to try to provide some clarity. Okay, here's, where, here's where we are. This is the end, and then I'll go to the beginning. Here's where we mm-hmm. are on the the Republican presidential race. There are only two options now left for the final result. I mean, in a rational world, okay? Now, this has been a crazy race. I guess in theory, something else could happen. But these are the the two scenarios that you can make a logical argument for. One is that Donald Trump will be the Republican nominee, and I think that's the overwhelming, most likely scenario. Now, will he have enough, you know, over 12... Uh, 137 delegates by the convention, you know, basically what it now seems like is if he gets close, they're just going to give it to him because they're afraid of him having a temper tantrum and taking his 36 percent and going home. Right. Um, And so that's the most likely scenario. The only other scenario is that Ted Cruz uh, makes a deal with Marco Rubio. And this is an incredibly difficult and complex deal to make. Uh, where Rubio would be his vice president and and Cruz is the is the presidential candidate. And in a bloodied convention fight, somehow they emerge as the ticket. That is plausible. And I'll tell you how that would happen. It's a, it's a difficult path, but it's at least somewhat um, doable. Uh, it's not something, by the way, that I would favor, but it's doable. So those are really but don't you think that if they join together now, they could. Take the rest of the states. No. Well, okay. This is – we'll might as well deal with this right now because – Yes. <laughs> all right. Instead of uh, my original plan. So we're going to call an audible right away. All right, here's the <laughs> here, here's the deal. All right. 
This is a game of chess. I talked mm-hmm. about this last week. It's kind of it's also kind of kind of like game theory and the beautiful mind movie. It's also a little bit like Survivor. It no longer matters, all right, um, how much really support every candidate has because we pretty much now know uh, it, it's really a game of who's going to take who out and who's still left. And the the problem here is that the non-Trump forces are currently in a checkmate. And the, and the reason why they're in a checkmate is the following. And, and I've been trying to explain this, especially to cruise people, all weekend long, and they're having a difficult time with basic math. All right, But here's, here's the bottom line. Here's why it's checkmate. If Trump wins Florida, yeah. it's basically over. If he wins Florida and Ohio, they're both winner-take-all states on March 15th. If he wins both, it is over. Okay, it is over. There is absolutely positively no way to stop him. Not not mathematically, not theoretically, not religiously. You cannot. All right. So it's over. Okay. so so then how does that happen? Well, here's why it's checkmate. The only way to keep Trump from uh, winning Florida and Ohio is to have Rubio win Florida and Kasich win Ohio. Okay. you say, fine, Zig. Well, what problem does that cause? That causes the problem that if that were to occur, which I don't really see it happening at this point, but if it did, Rubio ain't getting out. He just won Florida. That's right. And Kasich Kasich. Kasich ain't getting out. He just won Ohio. That's all he's been saying. I can win Ohio. so, so, So this is why it's checkmate. The only path where you can keep Trump from winning before we get to the convention is for somebody other than Trump to win Florida and Ohio. But the only people that can do that are the people in third and fourth place. And once they win, they won't get out. And so what if right now Rubio and Cruz go to the public and say, look, Here's our plan. We got Ben Carson over there for uh, Health and Human Services. We're going to bring John Kasich in as our Secretary of State. I'm running for president. Marco is my vice president. Uh, hey, listen up, Florida. If you want this, you vote for Cruz. All right. First of all, that would be very difficult to enforce that kind of a deal because <laughs> if you're Rubio and it works, now you've won Florida. Why would you why would you drop out at that point? Now you've just you've just you've still won, so there's nothing to enforce that deal. But let's pretend Rubio's an honest, credible guy, which is unusual for a politician, and he ad- adheres to the deal. The problem is, why would Flor- Floridians bother voting for Rubio there? Because they're voting for Cruz. No, I'm the- saying that Rubio tosses everything to Cruz, saying, look, here, we're the but, deal. Uh, we got to beat Trump no, because, to vote for Cruz. No, because the only reason why Rubio can – see, because Cruz, Cruz can't beat Trump in Florida. He can't do it. It's Florida is Trump's second home state. The reason why Rubio competes with him is because he's not only the senator from Florida, but he's got an enormous demographic advantage in right. southern Florida Cubans, but yeah. with the Cubans that isn't going to transfer to Cruz. So <sighs> it's a checkmate. All right, more on this, and we'll explain this crazy week on the John and Leah Show when we come back on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.
Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com, where you can check out each and every one of the 22 different radio stations across this formerly great nation of ours, which carries the John and Leah Show on a weekly basis. Uh, Leah, before we move to uh, this amazingly fascinating week that Donald Trump had, I want to just finish up this this um, issue of the checkmate okay. that the non-Trump forces find themselves in and specifically uh, your theory which sounds good on paper hey what if rubio drops out endorses cruz in florida that way cruz can be the one to win yeah. florida and and trump will be stopped and then you can have a two way a, a two-person race between cruz and trump and maybe cruz wins that or at the very least gets into a convention and Kasich's is looking for a job, and we've right. already got him one. Okay, well, that's a, he's a whole other problem. But just let's deal with this Rubio Cruz thing. The first problem is Rubio has no incentive to do that because put yourself in his position for a second. Let's say he does it, and Cruz still doesn't get it done, which he won't. He still loses Florida. And you're Rubio. What have you gotten out of the deal? You got Zippo. And you didn't even get a chance to fight on your final hill. You see what I'm saying? You know, this yeah. is what you've been, your whole campaign has been based on. I can win Florida, and you give that up for nothing. That's and by but the way, it appears it appears that Rubio doesn't have a chance now. Uh, he's got a better chance than Cruz, and that gets me to the next point. He has a better chance than Cruz, partially because Florida has early voting. There's already been tons of votes cast. So, right. And so those have been cast for Trump and Rubio. They haven't been. They haven't been cast for Cruz. Oh so, yeah. So so you're gonna so you're darn gonna, it. So you're gonna hand it off. You're basically gonna do a, a baton <laughs> toss to the guy who's way behind. <laughs> I mean that's that's stupid. And then you know the further proof that what I'm telling you is true is today Rubio won Puerto Rico. He didn't just win Puerto Rico by a little bit. He won Huge, Puerto, seventy some. He, he had yeah. over seventy percent. He won. Every delegate out of Puerto Rico. Well, why is that important? Well, first of all, there's a huge Puerto Rican community in Florida, but it also right. shows it also shows you can't transfer from Rubio to Cruz. His, his, well, he's not a real Hispanic. That's right. The authentic, the authenticity among Hispanics. Rubio is seen as the real Hispanic. He speaks Spanish, has the real Spanish background. Cruz just happens to be Cuban. He was born in Canada. He doesn't speak <laughs> Spanish, so it doesn't work. You can't, you can't just say, "Hey, take my Hispanicness." I mean, it, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't work. All right. So, so the that's why there's a checkmate here um, on that, and we'll, we'll probably get more into where we are a little bit later on. But I want to go back to the beginning of this week. Because mm -hmm. this week for Donald Trump should have been the worst. The end. The worst week in the history of. And I'm not. This is not hyperbole. Not an exaggeration. This is the worst week that a presidential contender has ever had, at least in my lifetime, probably mm -hmm. forever. Certainly yeah. in the media era, since I'm 48 years old. Uh, let's just review it, because this deserves to be. Books deserve to be written about this one week in the life of Donald Trump. Let's go back to Sunday. On last Sunday, on national television, three times he refuses to disavow the KKK, claims not to know who David Duke is. Right. 
and claims then later he couldn't hear in his earpiece, even though when you watch it, it's very clear he knew exactly what he was talking about. Well, he it, said the guy's name. Right, exactly. He said, claims he didn't know who David Duke is, which is insane and of itself. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's that's just the beginning, folks. Right there, right there. Should have sh- been over. Should have been it. That should have been game, set, match. Then, later that night, after the Academy Awards, during Jimmy Kimmel's post-Oscar show, they do a parody of the producer's Broadway hit based upon what a buffoon and what a fake candidate Donald Trump is. Mm. I mean, this is in front of a huge audience. They eviscerate him. Simultaneously, on HBO, John Oliver, did you see this? No, no. John Oliver. HBO is not allowed in my uh, home. Okay. John Oliver does a a funny but very liberal show called uh, uh, This Week Tonight or whatever it was. Whatever the name of the show. It's John Oliver's show. And he does a 22-minute hilarious evisceration with stuff that even I didn't know about Donald Trump, that if if anybody watches it, I mean, anybody watches it, you could never possibly vote for Donald Trump for any other reason than, one, you're you're just doing it for the humor, or two, you might be a Nazi. Those, Those are really the only two reasons you could possibly vote for Trump after this. Not only did it get massive ratings and massive social media play, the YouTube video of the 22 minute bid has been seen 19 million times oh, in a week. In a week, okay? Ugh. So right there, that should that would eviscerate any, any Republican candidate for president forever. All right, let's go through a few other things that happened this week. Um, on last, last Monday, although he did this more than once, so he might have done it previously, uh, he basically says he doesn't believe in the First Amendment and that he's going to change libel laws. Okay, so, that so he can sue the press. me to death. Right. <laughs> so, by the way, I, when I'm president, we will have no First Amendment. Also, I, the great and powerful Oz, can sue media companies for criticizing me. All right, that- That's right. For criticizing, for having, quote, a negative spin on me. Right. So, <laughs> Not for telling lies. Right. Well, in his mind, everything's a lie. If you say something bad about Trump, that's inherently you know, a lie. Believe me. I mean, that that's because he says it, so it must be true. All right. Yeah. So that alone would ordinarily destroy a presidential candidate. Nope. Um, well, maybe not in this day and age when we don't care about free speech anymore. But it doesn't even it doesn't even leave a mark on Trump. Uh-uh. I mean, not even a mark. And it is barely a footnote in this week. So we continue. By the way, we're still only on Tuesday. So on Tuesday morning, the New York Times, the paper of record, publishes on its front page Hillary Clinton's game plan for destroying Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Trump. Destroying him. And by the way. It's going to work. Of course it will. They know exactly what they're doing, folks. And this game plan, if anyone on our side would have read it, would have gone, gee, this might not be a good idea um, to go right into this monster. But that doesn't even get talked about on the right because it's the mean, evil New York Times. Everybody knows Hillary's going to get indicted and she's not even going to be allowed to run for president because, after all, who said it? You know, believe me, Trump said it. So it must <laughs> be true. So so that happens on Tuesday. Also on Tuesday, a poll comes out that it's a great poll for Donald Trump. And believe me, he told you it was a great poll for him. Believe it, me. Right. It showed believe me. It showed him 
at 49% among Republicans. So this was not a bad Trump sample. What Trump didn't tell you was they also... They also measured Hillary versus Trump nationwide. I saw that. Hillary, 52. Trump, 44. Remember, remember, this is a man with 100% name recognition. Okay? He's, He's dominated the media for nine months, most of it glowing. He's riding an unprecedented wave of momentum. He's now the winner. He's the presumed nominee getting his ass kicked by eight points in a national CNN poll that he's touting because the Republican portion of it was the best poll he's ever had. That alone would have made, in a rational world, Republicans go, hmm, this might be a bad idea. Yeah, you can't really bring it up, though, because you'll be uh, slammed on Facebook and Oh, Twitter. no, you're a rhino. You you're you're a, an establishment rhino. <laughs> I, uh, if you if you point out that by the way Trump's getting his ass kicked by Hillary in the polls, my favorite, my liberal, well, yes, it's just flat out ridiculous. My my favorite my favorite uh, Trump uh, fan reaction is we don't believe the polls. Wait a minute. Yeah. Wait, what, do you, what, do you, what do you mean? Your 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 hero's entire candidacy. It's based on him touting how wonderful he's doing in the polls. Uh, You cannot make this up. You cannot Uh make this up. All right, so then we get to Tuesday night, Super Tuesday. And there's a lot of people who probably think Donald Trump had a fantastic Tuesday night because, after all, he told you he did. Believe me. Well, he didn't. (laughs) He had a horrible Tuesday night, and I'll tell you about that when we come back on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. And I want to continue, Leah, uh, with uh, our highly unique and exclusive analysis of the horrendous week that was Donald Trump's week. The week, ironically, which we'll probably end up looking back on and saying that was the week he clinched the Republican nomination. Um, <laughs> that's how crazy this whole situation really is. is. But we've already mentioned at least five or six things that would have knocked out a normal candidacy completely We're out of the race. We're on Tuesday. Yeah, by Tuesday. Only. We're on Tuesday. It's by Tuesday afternoon. He's done. It's over. Um, we get to Tuesday night. That's Super Tuesday. And, of course, he'll tell you how wonderfully he did. Uh, he actually did horribly. But for a front runner who was the presumed nominee, and you know, normally Republicans, once it's clear someone's going to be the nominee, everybody gets in line. That's what we right. do. I mean, and, and we yes. say, okay, let's rally the party. Let's unify. We got our guy. Let's shut this thing down. Especially, by the way, when the media, which you know, is, Trump is has an enormous organ of. Pro, well, he has an enormous organ. He'll tell you that. He'll tell you all about his enormous <laughs> organ. But he also has an enormous organ of, of conservative, quote-unquote, conservative media like Drudge and Sean Hannity and Rush Limbaugh and Fox News right. Channel that are benefiting from the ratings and interest that he's bringing. And so they're like, oh, go for it. We don't care that you're not conservative. So he's benefiting from that. Um, and despite all that, he loses Several states, he loses Texas, which I actually think I benefited him because it kept Cruz in the race. He loses Oklahoma. And by the way, do you remember Leah Brandon? 
Do you remember a couple weeks ago when I plotted out the path for Marco Rubio to still win the nomination? Do you remember? Yes. Do you remember what I said about what he ought to do on Super Tuesday? Do you recall this? Go to Ohio. No, no, no. Ohio wasn't on Super Tuesday. I said Minnesota. I said Minnesota. I said here's what you do, Marco. Forget about everything else. Put everything in the Minnesota. They had a very bad experience with Jesse Ventura. It's a oh, ca- yeah, that's right. They didn't want Donald Trump. It's a, it is a caucus state. <laughs> Cruz doesn't play well up there. Not a lot of evangelical Christian voters. You, you, you put your flag in Minnesota. You say, we're going to win there. Well, guess what happens? He won. He won there. But they blew it. They blew it because they didn't have enough confidence that they were going to win there, that they they didn't tout that they were going to win, and then they didn't even claim victory that night. Uh, and by the time it was over, it was too late. I mean, it was, everyone had gone to bed, and it was an oh, by the way, most people that I in, in, interact with on Twitter and Facebook probably don't even know that Rubio won Minnesota. So, yeah, and, and, this was, and this was a big deal because that night, Trump at his press conference kept saying, you know, little Marco hasn't won anything. And oh, by the way, and by the way, he also kept claiming I either won or finished second everywhere. No, you didn't, Donald, the liar. You you came in third, a poor third in Minnesota. Again, I believe because he's not very good at caucuses and two, because I believe the people of Minnesota were not wedded to buying into another Jesse Ventura. And so I was right about that. But the point, the big larger point is that. Trump does not have this great night that a frontrunner ought to have. And let me give you the perfect example of this, all right? Let's take a look at the state of Virginia, your old home state of Virginia. By the way, one of the top five most important states in a general election, especially if you're a Republican. It's it's an almost must win uh, based upon the, the map of the last two presidential elections. And unfortunately, it's going blue, and it's a big reason why it's very tough for a Republican to win a presidential election. Uh, mostly because of Northern Virginia, all the government workers up there. That's right, because okay. the southern part is all red. Okay, so here's what happens to Trump, our great hope in Virginia. He's winning the, in the polls there by like 20 points. Well, when it comes out uh, on election night, he wins by less than three points over a surging Rubio who would have won if Kasich had gotten his ass out of the race. Right. He, he would have beaten Trump. But here's the more amazing thing. The whole argument for Trump, which I hear constantly, is he's bringing new people and the turnout is so large. Let me tell you how large the turnout is. It's almost as large as his penis. It's amazing how large the Trump turnout is. Yeah, they had big turnout. But do you understand? Do people understand? Because this is a rhetorical question because they don't. Do people understand how minuscule minuscule a primary turnout is in comparison to a presidential general election? They don't. Let me give you the numbers, Leah. Donald Trump barely won Virginia with this massive Trump-fed turnout with 355,000 votes. Very impressive number, even though he only won by a couple percentage points over Marco Rubio. Leah, do you have any idea how many votes, based upon the last two elections, it would take for Trump to win Virginia in the general election? Take, just take a guess for me. Oh, my take, gosh. Take, take a guess. Uh, take a guess. Just Four get, million? No, no, it's not quite that. <laughs> he, he would need probably two million votes. Two million he might be able to do it with 1.9 if he's lucky. And he, but he got what? He got what did three, he get? 355,000. So, okay. so where does he get 
the extra 1.7 million angry white people in Virginia who weren't <laughs> motivated enough to come to the polls to vote for him in a primary. Where do those people magically appear from in Virginia? 1.7 yeah. million. These turnout numbers, while interesting and a, mm-hmm. and, a, and a good sign normally, are being totally misinterpreted. Here's what these numbers are. These are not new voters. These are people who always vote GOP, at least in the last couple of years against Obama, in a general election. It's just they haven't bothered previously to come out in a primary because there was nobody as loony as Donald Trump to draw them out for a stupid primary. But there's, they were still voting. I mean, just think for a second, folks. Who is the angry white guy? who the last two elections didn't get motivated enough to vote against Barack Obama. But suddenly, suddenly in 2016, wow, this wacky, nutty reality show guy's out here. I got to get involved. Who is this? Look, they just, they say, look, uh, you know, Romney wasn't enough to bring him out. Baloney. That's baloney. McCain wasn't enough to bring him out. But baloney, it's a lie. It is a flat-out lie. It is a myth. It is one of many myths that the entire Trump sanity is based on. All right, now I want to go back to Tuesday night. So Mm -hmm. two other things happened, or at least one other thing happened, which should have destroyed him, and that was the spectacle of Chris Christie standing (laughs) behind him in in a situation that was so comical that Chris Christie was the top trending item on Twitter the rest of the night to where he actually later in the week was quoted as saying, I was not taken hostage. That's a, <laughs> it's a direct quote from Chris Christie. But something else... Well, I watched the whole interview. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, it was horrendous. It was at, Saturday Night Live started yeah. last night mocking Chris Christie for being Donald Trump's, you know, hostage, cuckold, whatever you want to call him, um, standing behind him in that ridiculous press conference. But something else happened in that press conference. Do you recall, Leah, that I made a prediction or I made an assessment that there was a fraud that the Trump campaign perpetrated in Nevada by the yeah, uh, over the Hispanics? Right. Where they, they trumpeted this statistic that they had over 40 percent of the Hispanic vote in Nevada. And I said, baloney. It, that's an incredibly small number. And it's probably Trump hotel employees. Well, <laughs> right. I was very interested to hear Trump Tuesday night. And you know how Trump's brain works, right? It's stream of yeah. consciousness. It's stream of consciousness. I want you to listen to this soundbite, folks, in the context of what I told you happened in Nevada. And tell me I didn't nail this 100 percent. This was Trump Tuesday night. And I get along great with the Hispanics you saw in Nevada. I won in the poll, the Hispanic vote. I have thousands of people that work for me right now that are Hispanic. I've had thousands and thousands over my lifetime. These are great people. Am I right, Leah? Yeah. That is absolutely the way Donald Trump's mind works. The only reason why he would say that, the only reason why you would connect in your mind, I want all these Hispanics in Nevada. I've got all these Hispanics who work for me. The only <laughs> reason why you would say that, if you're Donald Trump, you're not on teleprompter, you're Mr. Stream of Consciousness, is if they're connected in your mind. And right. this is further substantiated by the fact that the morning after the Nevada caucuses, there was this mysterious wave of fake Twitter accounts that were that were tweeting out this statistic that Trump had won over 40% of Hispanics, and they were all Hispanic-sounding names. 
games. This the reason why this is important is not just I told you so, which is important from my perspective, but it's also important because it shows what a fraud the entire Trump campaign is. This was astroturfing. This was them creating a myth that they know that the 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 right wing sycophants that they have, the Hannitys, the Limbaugh's, the Drudges, are all going to latch onto. Their fans will latch onto it, and they'll go, "Oh yeah, Trump's going to magically win Hispanic voters." No, he's not. He's not going to win Hispanic voters. It's insane. It is an ins- <laughs> it is a fantasy, and you're buying into it. It's all bullcrap. The whole thing is bullcrap. All right. Am I making myself clear? Hour number two of the John and Leah show coming up. I got it. Hour two next. 